When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. So I guess it's a movie that makes people honk their horns. That's Sweet. about as much feedback as I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie that cars love. You know? yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a special guest. It is writer-director Adam Egypt Mortimer, who has done a movie called Arch Enemy, coming out on in digital and on demand December 11th. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey guys, it's fun. <laughs> you getting in your radio voice yeah. and everything? Oh. It's fantastic. Hey! Yeah, I got my honking thing. <laughs> rick-a, 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 and, uh, hey, checking on traffic on the four hundred five. It's fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and get in that helicopter. And we'll, try, we'll figure out what's going on in the LA freeways today. Um, but uh, no, uh, thank you for uh, for uh, joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I have nothing um, else to do but sit around and talk to people about movies. Literally, sweet. My life now. That's <laughs> it's our life as well. Uh, we're in the same boat. Um, uh, first thing off, uh, so, so Arch Enemy is a, is a sort of a a new take on superhero type of films, and I like this. Now we've gotten to this point of you know uh, superhero films are such a uh, you know uh, an ingrained part of society at this point that now we're making these movies that have the darker edges and the different kinds of stories and everything. So what was your inspiration for arch enemy? It, I mean, it was exactly that. That was part of the starting point of it is that, um, you know, I've always super been into comic. There's never been a time in my life where I have stopped reading comic books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the thing about comics, the superheroes in comic books is not a genre. It's like, you know, it's a mythology. It's a it's a starting point. And like for, you know, 40 or 50 years, comic books have treated uh, superheroes like it can be any genre. It can be any aesthetic. You can play with the form. You know, you can make a you can do anything with them. And I, I felt like, you know, I started writing Arch Enemy in 2015. And even then I was like, I think we're at the point now where movies can treat the movie going audience with the same sophistication about these kind of characters that comic books do. 
mm-hmm. you know, like you don't need to have something that is structured. Like here is the origin and now here is the big, bah, bah, bah. you know, like what if I made a, a, a superhero movie that's just, that takes a completely different aesthetic approach or completely different like way into the, the character and the, and the world of it. So that was kind of mm-hmm. the starting point. And now, you know, five years later and the movie's coming out, it's, it's even more true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I should say, should I say what the movie's about? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll probably yeah, say that. Fun. Right. Yeah. So, um, so Joe Manganiello plays uh, a guy named Max, who we find, uh, you know, sit, sitting in bars, drinking whiskey. He lives under a bridge. He's tattered, and he's always telling people about what it was like when he was a superhero. And uh, and he used to, he was in another dimension, and he could fly through black holes and punch things. <laughs> and uh, nobody really believes him but it's kind of funny to hear his stories and then he he gets involved with a brother and sister who are in trouble with the local crime family crime organization and it and it becomes a kind of like a real low powered but like super brutal crime redemption sort of story and that man i gotta tell you like looking at him like being homeless and you know just dirty and stuff like on my best day like where the sun's shining like perfectly <laughs> i i can't look that good yeah. so that was a that was a that was a sad moment for me watching I mean, joe that's a that, i mean it's so fun working with joe is just literally the most handsome man on the entire yeah. planet like it's yeah, just it's just true it might be you know might be. and uh and it, and it's just it's wonderful and you know and, and he was really game to try to deconstruct himself as much as he at, at, at one point he was like you know I, these two fake teeth right here like i knocked out my teeth playing like uh playing softball or baseball or something and like what if i just get them wrenched out and we were like i, I don't think you need to do that man i think our makeup artist can just put, paint some chips on there you know? <laughs> but he was just like so stoked to be you know kind of gross and scruffy and be able to be the character as opposed to you know the the Joe. Um, I, that one thing that I, I, I liked about this m- movie is that it, it. I think. I think that if you have an idea like this, the the movie. Uh, if you saw this like as a studio film or something like that, the focus would be on: is it real or is it not? Um, and I don't feel like your movie does that uh, very very much. I feel like the whether you believe them or not is immaterial. Uh, was there, was there sort of a, a, f- a focus on that? Was this, were there a, a bunch of different ways you wanted to take this story? Is this, or was this always how you envisioned it or what was sort of the evolution of the story? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like that you're saying that. I think that it's, um, you know, the, the idea of real or not real in this movie is kind of soft. You know, it's not like the usual suspects or you right. know, there's suddenly this like mm-hmm. snap when you're like, oh, my God, it was all this one thing. But I yeah. do think that, you know, what I what I hope is happening is that there's kind of like a um, like an uneasiness about reality. Like, well, wait a minute, what is real? Or I thought he said this or is it mm-hmm. that? Or, you know, like I think to kind of keep you not like, oh, I what's the big twist going to be? Uh, but like just kind of suspended in, in questions and not really knowing. And, you know, I think this was, a, and when you look at hamster who, you know, the character who is making friends with him and listening to his stories, I think he's in the same space as the audience in a way. It's right. like, I don't know if, if it matters whether or not he believes Max, what's important to him is sort of like, is the story interesting? And like, mm-hmm. does he, does he start to care about Max? And, you know, like that, kind of stuff. And I think the audience, you know, 
hopefully is sort of going through that same thing. And I think some people might come into the story being like, I think people could have different interpretations throughout the film of what they think is real. And that's good. But the, you know, I wanted there to be sort of a twist or, or a reveal or a betrayal, but to do it in a way that's a little bit more um, like a softer emotional reveal. The reveal is they feel betrayed by Max. The reveal mm-hmm. is like when he talks about his past, it's really wishy-washy and you're not sure what's true, but something bad seems to have happened. Maybe he wasn't as good as, he, you know, those kind of things. I right. think. And the love story that sort of, for God's sakes, spoiler warning. Like if you haven't watched the movie yet, press <laughs> fucking pause, watch the movie. <laughs> like we started right. right right from the beginning, just talking about the end of the movie. Um, but the, the you know, the sort of, the, the sense the increasing sense of clarity about his relationship with Cleo, his arch enemy and like what that's all about is, you know, that I think those reveals are sort of soft, but powerful. Hopefully. I was going to say, cause with that being said, you still have a, you know, like a kind of an unbreakable. Um, and now I think it's time we shake hands moment. Um, mm. They're right at the end that, you know, uh, was really powerful. Um, I, like I said, I don't want to get like, yeah, it's like, I, it's like, I do want to talk about the ending, well, but we, we can't talk about the ending. <laughs> I mean, are, who is this? I guess that's a good, who is this for people who've seen the movie or are we just trying to get them? Uh, I want to know what you think about that's a good, it. Like, that's I, a good question because, because <laughs> we've done a lot of interviews and there's been, there's been directors who have been like, fuck it. I'm going to say everything about yeah. this movie doesn't matter. And then we've had others where it's like, don't say too much about it and everything. So it's really. I mean, we live in a you. weird time. It's like if this was something that was coming out on a thousand theaters on Friday, and it was like, I don't want you know, don't say anything, don't you know, everybody's got to see this in a theater. But like, we just don't live in that world. Like, mm-hmm. there, there, again, like if you're thinking of seeing the movie and you haven't yet, finish watching it, come back, and we'll still be here talking. There you uh, go. You know, on Spotify. Otherwise, like, let's just talk about it because I'm really curious. You know, what a, a, a pandemic issue for me has been, I haven't gotten to, on my last movie, I traveled all over the world. I was in Korea, mm-hmm. I was in Florida, getting responses, meeting people who saw the movie, having a sense of how people responded to it. Mm-hmm. And, and this one is just like, I just we just dropped this rock through somebody's <laughs> window and like, I don't, and then walked away. And it's like, I don't know, was it a... <laughs> yeah exactly i i can only so I have no idea how people respond you know c- c- compared to how much i had so much information going to the release of daniel's real and mm-hmm. this movie is like we had this amazing drive-in premiere and that was cool mm-hmm. some people were honking their horns so i guess it's a movie that makes people honk their horns Sweet. that's about as much feedback as i've got <laughs> <laughs> It's a movie that cars love. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, it's a that's a beautiful thing when you can get cars to uh, to enjoy your film. No doubt but, about it. But let's just say let's talk about the ending because I want to hear you know uh, what you were going to say and then I can respond to it. Oh well, the the moment I was let's I mean even if we're trying to dance around it, I mean uh, it's just you know he gets shot and yeah. so and and you find out what's real and what's not essentially that was the moment i was talking about which i thought was great good cool cool yeah that was uh yeah okay yeah you uh you mentioned uh uh uh, daniel isn't real and uh i believe uh, elijah wood is producer on both of those movies uh, both of these yeah he 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 and his company specter vision did did both of these films um and back to back which was super cool and yeah uh, they're you know they're a great company they also did Mandy, they did Color Out of yeah. Space, they did Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, um, you know, like these really 
cool movies that are all about like, well, we want to do genre, but it's got to be, you know, like a, a, a strange way into the genre or it's got to be, you know, in my case, it's like, I want to do these genre stories, but I also want to focus on the emotional life of the characters and make sure that it's, re it's really like about that feeling. It, you know, it's these kind of approaches to genre. And so they're so, you know, they're really supportive of people who want to make those kind of movies. It just seems like every movie he's involved with even if for some reason I don't like it, it's very interesting. You know, it's very different. Yeah, uh, which I 100%. And, and I think when, you know, another thing that's kind of cool about when you look at his career, it's just like, what legendary director has he not worked with? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right? It's just an incredible, <laughs> yeah. even beyond, you know, the Frodo of it all, it's just like an oh, unbelievable yeah. filmography as an actor. And then to, you know, sort of take that, all of that sort of sense of what makes good movies and all of that like feel for what you can do in a movie and mm -hmm. and convert that into things that he produces you know he acted like he was scared of macaulay culkin and totally pulled that off so <laughs> i gotta i and he survived north so yeah, I, I, I gotta give him all the credit in the world man. he did indeed uh, did you, the, there's, it seems like there's like some thematic similarities between these two movies. Do you agree with that? I, I do agree. And I, I also think that, um, they, I'm hoping that they f have a similar feeling in a way, mm -hmm. you know, in that, that like ineffable thing of, of whatever a feeling is. But I, you know, one of the things that I'm really curious to see how people respond to is do, do people, especially people who liked my previous movie, do they think that this feels like the same director? Because mm -hmm. for a number of different reasons, it wasn't really on purpose, but I worked with almost, aside from SpectreVision and my casting directors, there was nobody else was the same collaborator. Like mm -hmm. cinematography, production designer, you know, everything, music, everything was totally different. And, um, but I still felt like I was trying to do something. You don't try to copy yourself, but try. I was motivated by the same ideas i guess right and so i'm really curious to see if that's a thing that anybody will set like oh yeah you could really tell like this is a adam egypt mortimer joint or is it just like some other movie i don't you know i don't know i'm curious about that yeah the the between the the two characters uh you know in uh daniel isn't real and and uh, arch enemy the two i guess i guess you could you would call max fist the main i don't know if he's really the main character in this movie though uh would you consider uh, him i'm gonna i'm gonna have to text joe and tell him you said that <laughs> <laughs> I, I will remind no, you he's six, six foot oh. five no no get a, six we'll foot get four i can i can deal i can deal oh, no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm honestly let me send him a second text that says he says he can take you Joe. i'm honestly more scared sure. of sophia to be honest i'm i'm way more scared of her than i right, am i right. think but uh <laughs> but now uh the the two these two characters have you know uh, sort of like they don't we don't know if they're perceiving what they're perceiving is real or not and 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 just as a a visual uh both of these movies have similar endings as well I know that's um, the crazy part, right? Like I used to, <laughs> um, I, 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 the first movie I ever made, which was shot on like a VHS camera kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, when I was like mm -hmm. 13 or whatever, it was an mm -hmm. adaptation of um, Jason and the Golden Fleece. Adapted. Can you believe I just called my shitty 13-year-old nice. movie an adaptation? I can't believe I just did that. Like you had the rights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you've seen this in many forms before, but not like this. Uh, <laughs> um, 
but it was it was a project I was doing for my Latin class because I studied the Latin language, and um, it culminated with a guy getting thrown off my roof because I, <laughs> I lived uh, I lived in an apartment building um, that had a you know the roof was very accessible. It was completely flat. It was just like a box, you know, um, a rectangle, and um, so I would go up to the roof a lot and just be terrified about falling off of it. And um, and so the first time I ever had a camera in my hand, I made a fucking dummy and threw him and filmed him falling off the roof. And I, <laughs> I, I, we were we were shooting that scene, and Lisa, uh, one of the producers from Spectrevision, was like, "Okay, so your th- next movie, you're gonna have three dead bodies lying on the ground at the end." <laughs> yeah, God exactly. damn it. I guess I will. You know, it's like. Three fast, three furious. <laughs> I'm now trying to remember how some kind of hate ended. I'm, it ends uh... with him. It, I will tell you, it, it ends with suicide because Lincoln lights oh, himself yeah. on fire to kill Moira. And yes. um, and so, you know, that sense of like sacrifice, self-sacrifice, suicide, you know, it's just I I mean, I said to Brian, who, you know, because I wrote um, some kind of hate in Daniels and Real with Brian DeLue, didn't write Arch Enemy with him, but we were working on our fourth movie recently we finished writing a script and we were like let's just please make sure it doesn't end with suicide like for god's sake Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no that's right i remember that now yeah so you've got you've got your you've got the movie with the resurrected bully and the imaginary friend and the maybe superhero (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's right it's a lot of it's relationships like with really dubious people whose motives are mysterious and who may or may not even exist. And, you know, what is the, I mean, I think this is a, an interesting, you know, conundrum of being a person, right? It's, it's, it's like movies have to be about relationships. That's what movies are. It's people mm-hmm. interacting with it, you know, whether it's a Kung Fu movie or, or a romance. And, um, but I, I get, I guess I have a kind of distrust of like fundamentally metaphysical distrust of like reality and also a more psychological distrust of like how do you, how do you trust the people around you? Are the people mm-hmm. closest to you? You know wh- how narcissistic is anybody you meet, or how uh, how dark are you yourself, and you don't even realize it? I think those kind of questions like you know haunt me not in not even in like a philosophical way, but in like a day to day like I'm having a conversation with somebody and suddenly I start to panic because I feel like I'm being manipulated. You know mm-hmm. that, kind, that 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 kind of thing, and so. Whether or not I've set out to do it, I think you're totally right to, you know, to point out sort of that uh, consistency. Yeah. Uh, and and just as an aside, you you know, you're mentioning the, uh, you know, uh, being afraid of falling off the roof and everything. You have a shot that's in, in Daniel Isn't Real where I was like, God, that's, that's scary because he's uh, Luke is sitting on the top of that uh, building. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, or like nor- towards the beginning of the movie, when we first find out he's at college and everything, and it's like it's dizzying. It's a dizzying shot that you have uh, an overhead shot of him on the roof, and you can just yeah. see the ground below and everything. And uh, it's, uh, it, it, I was like, God, that's frightening. I could not possibly yeah. do what he's no. doing there, just sitting there uh and everything um and i really hate heights i mean that's the thing like heights really freak me out like there's been yeah. times where i've been on like here's a fun like sky bridge it's a tourist attraction you can walk across this and suddenly i'll just like crouch down to my knees and like clutch the, a railing and be like oh my god and everybody's <laughs> like you, 
No, he- heights and and fire both freak me out. So your, your movies are very yeah. uh, comforting to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, okay, so what no, you're I, saying I is the fourth scared, one. Though. The fourth one should be a guy on fire falling there from a go. great height, and then I will, I will have completed the tetralogy. Yes, I, I mean, I'm a horror movie fan, though. I mean, I I love being scared, so that that that's perfect. But. Uh, um, so it, Arch Enemy has a lot of like really interesting performers. We've talked about Joe uh, Manganiello and, uh, but then there's some people I'm not, I haven't, I have one, not to totally familiar with Skyland Brooks, although mm-hmm. he, uh, he apparently, what was it? What show he has? has he he been was in on? the get down on Netflix. The get down. Also, uh, I saw him on castle rock. I think that's the only thing I had seen him in. Before. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I ran across some credits that I had, I recognized, but I had never seen those things. And, uh, but he, he is a, a, a great performer performer in this Zoli Griggs. Oh man, so good. Zoli Griggs plays uh, the Riz's sister on the Wu Tang Chronicles. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, really? Which is, which is such a cool thing to be. Um, mm-hmm. I was con- the whole time we were shooting. I was like, "Can we have a Wu Tang rap battle today?" Like, <laughs> she'd be like, "Anytime you want, man." And I was like, "Okay, never mind. Let's just make the movie." But yeah, they, they're they're wonderful. They're, they're both people that you know, as opposed to most of the other main characters who are people I was familiar with and really wanted to work with Zoli and Skyland both. I did, wasn't familiar with their, their work really. And um, they came to me from the the casting director and they're both, they're both the kind of people that as soon as you meet them, you're like, well, you're a superstar. You're going in the movie. Yeah. No kidding. And they, uh, and they felt like brother and sister. Um, that's what was so beautiful yeah. about it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we did the, the part of the audition process was to put people together and see if they felt really like family, you know, and um, and have that kind of chemistry. And you you really just get the sense that Skyland is like, come on, I just wanted to use my phone, man. Like, start, leave me alone. It's just like <laughs> dummy, you know. It's, you <laughs> yeah, you get that sense immediately. You don't know the relationship when they first when he first goes back to the apartment or anything, but like you just kind of know immediately how they how they act around each other. That's what they mm-hmm. are and everything. It's really a really cool thing. Um, but then you have Glenn Howerton. Everybody knows from you know Always Sunny and all that, and he's been in several movies. He's this is another delightfully quirky performance from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, the Paul- best man, and I've been like fans of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia since they started and it's just like you know probably of everybody who was in this movie he's the one where i was like i can't believe i'm talking to glenn howerton this is insane (laughs) you know yeah i mean easy i mean is he is is he in boxers at the end of this movie is that what he well it's it's tennis shorts so it's like uh, okay i was trying to figure out what it was he was wearing (laughs) i know i think we wrestled with should he actually be holding a tennis racket but then it, it just gets too sort of Wes Anderson nonsense because they are fighting for their lives. But like, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then Paul Shear in a performance. I don't think I've ever seen him before like this ever. I mean, he's been in a hundred things, but I don't think I've ever seen him like this. No, I I had a friend come uh, to visit set. He happened to visit that day. And um, it was about like nine hours into shooting. He walked up to me and said, I just realized that's Paul Shear. (laughs) yeah 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 but Uh, how insane is he i mean that that scene is like a real you know i for me personally just like in the writing of the movie and then on the day we were shooting it it was just a a really satisfying high point like it's just fun yeah i mean the guy is doing in that scene is insane and you know like it's just it's good times yeah, he's just got the, he just, it's like he revved his motor and just, just never stopped. I mean, yes, there's cutting and editing throughout that, uh, that scene, but you almost feel like he did that in one take or something. Oh, because yeah. he's- and there's, 
we had to cut out other gems just because like he, you know, I mean, he's what you're seeing in the movie right now is more or less what was scripted, although he added um, that amazing aside about snakeskin boots and snakes die. And, you know, that'll, um, yeah. He added that because he because what makes him such a great actor and every was why everybody on set loved him so much is that he just used everything we gave him. So he shows up. We put him in the red underpants. We put him in snakeskin boots. We surround him with, you know, liquor bottles and pills and put tattoos on his face. And then he uses them all in the performance and he brings them all to life. So he's like, here's my safe. And you're like, and so one thing that he did that we couldn't, that we wound up cutting out of the movie just because for time and pacing is that um, he had, he went on a whole tirade about how the ice cream cone that Gucci Mane tattooed on his face rips off him because he first tattooed the waffle to his face and then Gucci Mane took it and ripped him off and it was so great but it just was too much to handle for the movie and then finally uh Amy Simons uh who's somebody I'm not familiar with either but I, lo- I loved her in this she's uh, one of my favorite actresses and I-, I wanted to work with her she was in for for so long she was in um she was in like Adam Wingard's first uh not first mm-hmm. movie but first great movie horrible way to die she, she mm-hmm. was in that and, and she was in ty west movie sacrament and um she's in all kinds of stuff she's super great she's also a great director which is always a little bit intimidating um, right but uh yeah she's she's wonderful she was in upstream color which is one of my favorite you know science fiction I, movies i'm just now time. realizing that was her in yeah. sacrament so she's in your next also right because yes yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. the she's sister yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then I have yeah. I've seen her then a couple of times then probably. Yeah. She's a great she's a great actress and and brought so much to it and um you know one of one of the things th- that I found about her that is so amazing to to me just watching it is that you know there's that a scene when we see her she's standing completely still and she has her back to the camera. Yeah. And I remember remember shooting that on the day and looking at her and and being like I Personally, and everybody's mileage may may differ, but just watching that, I felt riveted. I was like, "How is she such a good actress that she is standing with her back to me, yeah, <laughs> not moving yeah. or say saying anything?" And mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm watching a movie, and it, I just i I don't know the answer to that question of like how you can do that, but like, there's something to me that's like the secret of what makes a good movie is that yeah. if you can find that talent you know what i mean mm-hmm. then then if you Absolutely. combine that with her doing and saying things you're, you're gonna knock it out of the park but just like she i guess that's what they mean by presence and she, she yeah. has incredible presence no another part of that though is is how her character is set up too um because she's been talked about throughout the entire movie and that's sort of our introduction into her uh you know and you know into that character and everything so like uh yeah um uh it's it's definitely her performance but you set it up pretty well too so yeah and um i i I wanted to say that the it was we was really lucky to get her in the movie because like i said i'd always wanted to work with her and um but my producer on this movie kim sherman she had actually been uh one of the producers on uh your next and horrible way to die and oh. the movie that Amy, the first movie that she directed, which is called sun don't shine. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I had always wanted to work with her. I never know how to get in touch with people myself and, and Kim <laughs> brought her into it, which was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. uh, the, there's a, 
another thing about this movie is the uh, animation. Uh, who's who was uh, your animator on this movie? So insanely, all of the animation was done by a three-person team, and oh, wow. um, it was just broken up into three guys: um, Sanando, who lives in Bangalore, and he's mm. a comic artist that you know he and I have developed some comic book ideas before in the past. And then uh, a guy named Danny Perez, who is himself uh, a filmmaker. He's a director. He's done a feature or two. He's done these crazy psychedelic music videos. He's a very psychedelic kind of person, individual, a psychedelic Mm -hmm. individual. And so he was responsible for like the compositing and then the creation of all of this crazy psychedelic stuff. Like there's... You know, there's the scene where it's like all of the flashing skulls and the and the yeah. and the and the, the, the <laughs> pink and the blue electricity and like you're flying through space and time. Um and that that was Danny. And then uh Kevin was the the sort of the brains behind how to combine all of this maniacal stuff and put it together into 2D software, 3D software, move it around, bring it to life, organize the workflow. And um I mean it was really hell for everybody. <laughs> I'm sure it was all of this stuff with just three people and, you know, me going like, make it more abstract. And they're like, you're killing us. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I I love the look of it though. I I like the style of the animation. I would totally watch an entire movie in that animation. Although I would, you know, I wouldn't want three people to have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just for my benefit. You know, Um, yeah, I, I I was really happy with with how it came out and, you know, it was, it was important to me like I'm saying, like I was joking, but like it did have to feel a little bit abstract. So it wasn't like, I didn't want it to feel super detailed drawing that then looks like a motion comic. And I didn't want it to feel like Mm -hmm. so legible that it feels like it definitely was real. It has to have that sense of like, Mm. it's kind of a memory or a fantasy or, you know, he's drunk when he's remembering it. Like it had, you know, and, and so we, they found a really nice way to represent that. And I uh, kept thinking about uh, Pink Floyd, the wall, yeah. was honestly a huge influence on this right. movie in every in every way. And um the way that they use animation in that that animation is so abstract but so evocative. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that I kept coming back to. I was like I kind of don't care if people understand what's happening as long as it evokes a sense of his loss, his violence, his excitement, you know, whatever the the feeling we're going for. Um yeah. don't care if you get it as long as you feel it. And that's, you know, Pink Floyd, the wall is just like oh, a thousand percent that. Yeah. I, uh, I was actually thinking of that and uh, heavy metal, uh, uh-huh, uh for a sure. little bit in this, uh, and, and the, and, and combined with the music, which is also great in this, mm-hmm. uh, your composer is, uh, what's his name? So his, his composer name is Umberto and oh, he yeah. has, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on on Spotify, you could just zap right over to some of his records, which are amazing. Um, his real name is Matt Hill, uh, and I loved his records. You know, a lot of his stuff, his earlier records were sort of like, um, you know, you can get it from his name as he's doing that kind of like 70s, early 80s, you know, Euro horror movie soundtrack vibe yeah. like, like in kind of a modern context. And um, so he's just, you know, super talented, brilliant guy and and that kind of thing is so important to me in a movie like i want these things to be uh you know like an immersive experience like if you're watching arc Man, i want you to like turn the volume way up and turn off the lights and just kind of like get into it and it, there's so much music it's really like it's back to back with this with the score you know there was mm-hmm. not a lot of quiet 
to deal with. Yeah, with the animation and the music in tandem, it 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 does take you back to like an era of the eighties uh, and everything. I don't know if you were trying to go for an eighties aesthetic during this thing, but I got an eighties aesthetic watching it. Even even during the parts where there's not animation and music, mm-hmm. I had this feel. Uh, about it and i couldn't really quite put my finger on it but uh was that ever in your was that in your mind at all or is it just me i don't i don't know if i was so much like i want it to be like the 80s but i you know you you can't help you know in some of this stuff i was you know like there's a shot where max is sitting in the car looking at the guys in the truck or whatever and like the camera slowly pushes into him you Mm -hmm. know and 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 the music is like and like every time i described that seen to people before we shot it i was like you know and it'll be like and then tangerine dream is playing while we're pushing (laughs) yeah Yeah. so and that was just the easiest way to communicate like a feeling so like i think of course that winds up being part of it but i but i i think you know i'm not a fan of nostalgia Mm -hmm. but i am a fan of like grabbing aesthetics or ideas from where from wherever you can and there's you know i think there might be something where you have this much neon and you have this much pink and then you have a guy making all of his music on a keyboard yeah that might start just start to evoke some of that for some people and then and probably that's a good thing if that's what it evokes for you yeah, yeah absolutely i think i think part of it's too just the storytelling and just the the because like i'm you know watching this I, I definitely was thinking like we don't see movies like this anymore and, and you know you hear that a lot but like i always like i don't know the actual what I'm trying to say when I say you don't see this movie anymore, but like, it makes me think of stuff like you don't like, they don't make like night of the comet. Right. They don't. Oh man. And I they love don't make that Monster squad. And yeah. I mean, it's just like, there's just that certain type of movie that whatever that is, doesn't really get made anymore. And this kind of feels like it's in that vein. Yeah. Cool. To me, one, one of those movies was, um, was repo man. I started yes, to yes. repo man. Lot that's a great movie. example that it, you know they're just kind of like meandering around la until suddenly there's this crazy third act where everybody's getting shot you're like what the <laughs> fuck is going on um, <laughs> crazy ass movie i love it's one of my favorite movies of yeah, all time yeah. like, no oh, kidding Alan, I, Alex Alex <laughs> if you could convey punk rock in a movie it was you oh know, my god it was, yeah. it was alex cox man yeah was- absolutely and it and it looks beautiful it's um the cinematographer i think it's robbie mueller right who also shot uh, Paris, Texas, and uh, and all of right. his other beautiful movies. Um, so it's just you know it's just great, and um, I definitely at a certain point started thinking a lot about Repo Man because I because because <laughs> you're right about like they don't make movies. It's like I remember seeing that movie when I was very young, and and then you just grow up being like, so that's what movies are like, right? <laughs> they're just yeah. like yeah. anything can happen, and they're totally insane, and people are are slam dancing to the circle jerks and then there's an alien right like that's just how <laughs> movies work and then you get older and you're like why aren't there any movies like that i thought that's what a movie was <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah they um, were concerned about things like second acts they didn't care it was just you know <laughs> yeah what, what, what craziness can we put on the screen uh um this is gonna this is gonna sound weird but did you do any scientific research for this movie um, not for this movie specifically, but I, I was always interested in, um, uh, uh, like, you know, I have read dumbed down books about string theory and right. I, t- I took, um, classes on the philosophy of physics and the measurement problem and, and things like that. So I guess having that, uh, that language right. for it, you know, or the idea that like Max 
as a guy, he's not a scientist, but he's experienced so much of the cosmos that a certain knowledge of it has kind of slipped, you know, like I kept on both he and Amy kept being like 11 dimensional what? And I was like, that's <laughs> actually, that's correct. That is the theory of the universe is that there are 11 dimensions. And they were like, okay, I will make it sound like I know what I'm saying. Kind of randomly brings up string theory in the middle yeah. of our conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's supposed to be like, that's, you know, what would it be like if a guy who's kind of like a, you know, a gun toting football player also has like touched black holes, like some of that, you know, vocabulary would seep in him. And also because that's the way Cleo talks, maybe, it, you know, that's her vocabulary rubbed off on him in a way, you know, maybe she had to explain yeah. it to him. Yeah, you know, I don't know, something like that. So, but no, I did not feel the need, like, you know, this wasn't, um, I, I mean, look, I don't love anybody more than I love Christopher Nolan, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. I was not sort of trying to achieve that kind of, you know, physics with this right. movie. Um, it's not really a movie about physics. It's a movie, it's much more psychedelic. And I, and, and I think when I try to put in having people talk about 11 dimensions and black holes and stuff, it's supposed to feel like a kind of psychedelic impulse. You know, right. it's like, that cool. it just sort of makes you think, you know, here's guys sitting around drinking whiskey, but when they talk about that, maybe it pulls you in sort of different directions of feeling or, you know, like, so that's sort of where I'm coming from on it. Yeah. I, I it, it, I was, when I was watching it, I, I didn't think that there was a lot really that went into it. It's just more the way people talk. And it was, there was a, even though a lot of the things sounded like out of this world, ridiculous, especially at the beginning when he's talking about, you know, uh, punching through the molecules and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. throwing the void into the, you know, the, into a space between where time and I can't remember the entire yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like all this stuff, I was la- laughing at that. I thought that was really funny. Uh, Good. You know, yes. all this whole, all this stuff. And so, uh, but I was like, it still feels like you had some sort of scientific knowledge there, even though it sounds ridiculous. It's sort of what I was trying to get at. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that means it's doing everything it's supposed to do, right? Which just sounds sort of like a real thing that somebody would saying, and that's credit <laughs> to Joe, but also entertaining. And, you know, I think for me, my, my biggest fear in a way is that people seeing this movie would mistake all of that stuff for exposition. Right. When it's like none of this it's it's exposition is when you're telling crucial information that you need to know to get to the story and deliver it in a clumsy way. This is the <laughs> opposite of that. This yeah. is like information that you definitely don't need delivered in a way that I hope is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was. I, I was I was having a great deal of fun listening to him describe all of that stuff for sure. No, it was, yeah, it was hilarious. I just, I mean, and he, he plays frustration very well. Oh, uh, so I found great. out in this movie and just, <laughs> I imagine that's what like, uh, my wife is uh, really into math. Like she's, she's just like a freaking math genius and her trying to explain simple things to me. I've seen that look before. So uh, <laughs> I totally, totally, it was, it was realistic. <laughs> she would, she would appreciate the small adjustment that I made at one point. Cause there's a, there's a scene when they're in the bar where he says, he's talking about his powers and he's like, they're impossible. They're the square root of negative one. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which is, you know, I is an imaginary number. It's the square root right. of negative one. But when yeah. I wrote, wrote it, and when Joe did it the first time in the movie, I had said divided by zero because I thought <laughs> I mixed it up in the writing and I thought that divided by zero was the imaginary number. It's it's just literally impossible. It's not a mathematical thing. 
And so I actually in the ADR, I was like, I got to fucking change that. Like I, mm. I, I studied, I studied calculus. Like this, this is just going to bum me out forever. So I right. had to redo the line just to make it <laughs> mathematically more correct. Even though again, who gives a fuck, but you know, <laughs> right, it, right. it's probably because I was like, cinema students is going to fucking tear me apart. Yeah, I mean, we would have looked it up and we would have been like, oh, what the fuck is he talking about? Although, although I will say when you have a, a, a character like this, where a lot of the things that he's saying are possibly unreliable, a lot yeah. of times you just sit there and go, eh, well, it's probably just unreliable and you just have right. to move on, you know. Uh, a lot of times, but I, I did think it was fun. Uh, the sort of the technical aspects you put in there, even though it's a lot of it was, was set out there just to be ridiculous and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was fu- a, a fun aspect of this because it sounded, right. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. do, You're my do you, people. That's right. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you one more. I know you want to move on to a new topic, but I'll tell you one more thing is that when I was talking to Joe about this stuff, one of the things I said about the performance, this was early on, because Joe and I are both like big metalheads, you know? <laughs> and um, I was like, so when you say this stuff, think about it like when you're listening to Slayer, it's <laughs> you're not the lead singer, you're Carrie King doing guitar solos. And if you know anything <laughs> about Slayer, it's like Carrie King is just like whammy bar and mm-hmm. fucking trill and everything is like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like he barely even has like a, a harmonic idea holding it together. That's what Jeff Hahnemann, the other guitarist, used to do. But Kerry King was just explosive and expressive and insane. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I can understand a single word you're saying as long as it's just got this like expressive quality to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're basically listening to a Kerry King play guitar solos Joe talks I, can, guitar I can totally solos. hear that now that's awesome now i'm gonna have to watch that scene again just to hear <laughs> slayer going on yeah. during. <laughs> yeah um uh so what was your toughest uh day uh filming this what was the what was the hardest thing that you had to do every every day was such a fucking nightmare i it imagine was it was so hard it was <laughs> so hard this, the budget was so much less than uh, than Daniel isn't real. Really, we had so much less time. Everything about it was just like horrific, mm-hmm. and people were getting sick in emergency rooms and and couldn't show oh, no. up to work that day. And you know, this is pre COVID, but it just you know sort of coincided that way. So, um, oh my God, it's like you know the scene the scene that we keep talking about the one of um of 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 Max and Hamster talking and they're sort of all over the city you know, mm-hmm, walking mm-hmm. And, and, and sort of done in this way where it's like we're cutting in the middle of lines and words and now they're here, now they're there. And it has right. that sensibility. It was in the script like that. And everybody was like, how were we possibly going to do that? And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and, and, and it seemed incredibly daunting because we barely have time on a movie like this to stand in one room and say the scene, let alone shoot it all over the city. And, um, and on top of that, like one of the days we were supposed to shoot that scene, like Skylin was sick. So then it became, well, I guess we'll just shoot Max walking around, going through the trash instead. And, you know, it's like, um, but somehow we were able to pick off every so often. We'd be like, oh, my God, there's a bridge. Just stand, just say that three things about the, the black hole. <laughs> and, um, and we were able to do it exactly how it was scripted and exactly how I imagined it. And like, oh, my God, we... It was the one day we finished a shot early and they were up on the rooftop with the skyline behind us. And it was like, oh, my God, we've got an extra 20 minutes. Do the scene right there. This is some Michael Mann shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that was a that was a daunting uh, a process to try to, to piece that together. Yeah. 
was it literally 20 minutes? Cause I know how long it takes to set up a whole bunch of things to, to get a shot and everything. Did you get that done in, in that amount of time or was it? Little- uh, I, I mean, I think on the, uh, that particular shot, th- that particular day on that particular rooftop, I think because we already had the camera set up cause we were shooting the other stuff on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that yes, we did basically have about 20, 25 minutes to swing the camera around and get it in place and shoot that part of the scene there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, all right. Well, Jonathan, do you have anything else? Well, I did. I, I was, I just wanted to ask, well, ask, I guess this is kind of a question, but I wanted to say whoever did the wardrobe for Joseph Reitman, um, mm-hmm. in that scene in Zoli Griggs apartment was, is amazing. Him sitting there in like that cardigan, uh, <laughs> holding that notebook with like the pen sticking out. And yeah. I mean, it, there was just something so creepy about that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. The, the Michelle lane is the costume designer and I hadn't worked with her before and, and she's really epic. I mean, she brought so much insane. She had so many ideas and like really, you know, grooved to the idea that like these characters, it's all going to be so colorful and, um, Everybody's going to have their own life. And like, it was her idea to have the, uh, there's that close up shot of hamsters, orange socks with the smiley face, frowny face emojis mm-hmm. on them. And like, mm-hmm. that was her, her thing. And yeah, putting, putting Joseph in the cardigan was insane. And if you ever have a chance to freeze frame it, you'll see that the the book he's holding, it's not a notebook. It's a book called nihilism for beginners. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and then and his buddy is wearing this insane windbreaker that's all prints yeah. of wolf faces on it. Um, yeah, she 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 brought the fire with the uh, with 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 uh, with the clothes for sure. That's so awesome! I love Joseph Reitman too, man. He's like he always draws your attention. Like and, and he's he, great. He was Santa yeah. Claus. He was evil Santa Claus yeah. and happy, which yep. was which I should say was written by Grant Morrison, who was like a huge influence on this movie. Obviously, oh, very cool. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe played child murdering Santa Claus. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's interesting because he because some of the ideas about the character came from he came into audition and, um, you know, there, there was something about him that seemed so emotionally present and interesting. And so while we were auditioning, I said, why don't we try it like you're really sad, like you knew the guy who died and you're kind of grieving. Mm. And, and he did that. and It was so great. And so that wound up really informing the mm-hmm. character it wasn't necessarily written that way to begin with very cool um what do you have next on your plate uh if there's anything that you can talk about um so uh, what do i have on my plate i have a uh, hope, hoping to get a vaccination uh yeah, on me the too. top of the to do list i want those bill gates microchips give them to me give them all I, to me come on <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Mark, i mean God, those things are real give them to me already jeez <laughs> yeah. If you figured out how to make a microchip that small, you're <laughs> using alien technology we haven't even imagined, and I can't wait to have it in my bloodstream. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and uh, so aside from that, uh, Brian and I, Brian, who wrote uh, Daniel Isn't Real and Some Kind of Hate With Me, we wrote another movie that's uh, it's a horror movie, straight up like terrifying horror movie. Uh, with with uh, It's about a witch, and, and the themes have to do with capitalism and how money will kill you, but with a wish. Oh. And I can't say anything more than that, but we're trying to put that together right now. And then, um, you know, and, and now I'm 
I'm also in this like really wonderful position of now that I have starting to have a body of work that you can point to, I am starting to meet other writers and and find other scripts that I don't have to write myself that other genius people write um, mm-hmm. that I might have the opportunity to work on. And that's something that I've really been um, hoping to get to, you know, is like, how do I find new collaborators or, or find, you know, m- stories that I wouldn't have come up with that I that fit into what I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. that, that's a really cool feeling when people can look at what I've done and be like, oh, that was cool. I do want to work with you now. Like that's that's new. That's a new thing for me. It used to have to be, trust me, man, I'm going to do it. You just got to <laughs> believe me. Right, right. <laughs> I love the movie, man. It was, it was, I had oh, thank a, you. seriously had a blast with yeah, it. And uh, I've, and I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed everything so far that I've seen. I've seen some kind of hate. I've seen, uh, uh, all of a sudden I just forgot the movie we've been talking about. The last one Dan- we did. Daniel, Daniel isn't, isn't real. real. <laughs> Daniel isn't real, but uh, he is maybe, but uh, no, but I've been, I've, I'm looking forward to whatever you got coming on next. Thank yeah. you. I, re- I really appreciate that. That's, it's just so nice to hear that. It really is. It's, it's everything else in the process is so fucking tough <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. just t- to, to talk to people who are like, yeah, I got something out of that. It's just like, it really is what it comes down to. That really is the payoff to it. So yeah, I, really I want, appreciate it. I watched this movie at like nine o'clock at night and, and I just, I just, you know, I sat there, sat on the couch, sat there and watched it. And I was like, man, this is just, it's just such a like nice, <laughs> this movie is just so like it gets me right now or I get it. I don't know what it is, but I was in the right mood to watch this and everything. And, uh, and, uh, I, I really, really did enjoy it. And I hope, uh, a lot of people see it for sure. Absolutely. Fred. Thank you, um, uh, we would like to thank, uh, Adam Egypt Mortimer for giving us his time. Uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, the movie is arch enemy. It comes out digital and on demand December, tw- December 11th. Uh, are there any theaters? I, I don't know. Certainly not in Los Angeles where I am, but, um, it will probably be in theaters. Go to the theaters only if it's extremely safe. Oh, you know what? It'd probably be in um probably be in some drive-ins. I think there's yeah. gonna be drive-ins around mm-hmm. town. So yeah, yeah, look, yeah. Go go see it on a drive-in. Although I don't know how's the sound at a drive-in. Maybe just turn your stereo up all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hon- honk your uh, honk your horns. <laughs> the ideal way to see this movie is at home, smoking a small joint. Yes, but with the sound cranked all the way up and all the blinds down in total darkness, and you know. immerse yourself into the zone (laughs) yes absolutely i recommend that as well um uh but uh that's going to do it for this interview it's uh chris atkinson and jonathan Watkins. we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com